Uh, as we think about the, the three R's I talked about uh, our last time together, today we're going to look at the first of those, remembrance. And we've already been in the process of that today, uh, that call to worship that we did from, from the Psalms. If you, you saw it, it was a remembrance. Remember everything that we've done, everything that we've been through. And we were told and we sang out together, cried out together, your love endures forever. Why? That was a reminder of us of the love of God uh, in our lives uh, and what he has done. Uh, and so uh, keep that in mind as we begin thinking about this whole process of remembrance in relation to our personal spiritual health, but also the church's spiritual health. If you would, in honor of God's Word, let's stand and hear from God's Word. I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read through verse... Uh, I have verse 12 in the bulletin, but actually we're going to read the, uh, the entire chapter. Hear now the Word of our living Lord. <clears throat> the whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For uh, your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water and of fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with the manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble and test you to do, to, to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. <clears throat> You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, 
so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you will, join me for a moment of prayer before we begin. Father, I pray that you would open your word to us and that you would speak to us and teach us today, that you would increase our faith, and Father, that you would draw us to you. Show yourself to us through your word, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So why do we need to remember? What's, what's the use of remembrance in the life of the church? As we've seen in this passage, and maybe as you've seen as you've read through scriptures, we, and you know from your own life, we as humans have a tendency to forget, uh, especially in the tough times. We forget uh, the good things or the bad things. We tend to dwell on the past or we tend to block out the past. But our memory of the past is one of those things we wrestle with. Oftentimes we'll, we'll say, and, and um, for example, uh, I have two sons who both were at the University of Alabama in 2011 when the tornadoes came through Tuscaloosa. They both have very similar and vivid memories of that time, but at the same time they both have dealt with it in those memories in different ways. One wanted to express it and remember and, and, and keep little mementos and whatnot, and the other wanted just to put it behind him and remember, him, no, remember it no more. We all react in the same way. It's, it's been said that public speaking is the average human's worst fear. I think in today's modern world, it's probably forgetting that has become our worst fear. That we, uh, especially as we get older, one of the things that bothers us the most, and I know has gotten me of late, is your mid-conversation with somebody, you know the very next thought you're going to have, but the word just will not come out of your mouth, and you cannot remember it until about three hours later when you suddenly blurt it out loud and nobody knows what you're talking about at the time, but you are excited because you finally remembered, right? You've been there. You've done that. You know what I'm talking about. Good. As we talked about last week, we have the need in the church for our health to remember, and I want us to, to talk about that today, but first I want to begin by sharing what, what it is not when we talk about remembrance in the church. First, what it is not, it is not a, a, fineness, a fondness and pining to return to the past history of the church. It's not the, oh, I wish we could be this way or I wish we could be this way. I remember when we did this and I remember when we did this and why can't we do that again? Those are good memories to help us but that's not what we're talking about here. It's not the holding on to the past and allowing that to dictate and rule. Uh, one way we know we're doing that, we're struggling with that, is if you begin hearing or begin saying yourself this comment or this phrase, some variation thereof, we've never done it that way before. You're holding on to the past just a little bit. You're remembering, yes, but not remembering in a good way. At the same time, Remembering the past is not a repudiation of the past. Your past is the past, and you can't change that. So I encourage you to, to think through, and there may, be, may have been some bad things. There may have been some hard times. There may have been some difficulties that, that you remember. We certainly don't want to let those go because we can learn from those. We'll see that a little bit later. But we don't also want to dwell on them either. 
nor do we want to make those our source of identity, which all too often churches do, particularly, particularly older churches. Uh, if you've ever attended an older congregation, a congregation, and by older, a congregation that's 75, 100, 200 years old. Most of those churches, their entire identity is based around their past history. You know, we were an X number church at such and such a time in the past, but they're no longer there. You know, we were the the church that planted all of the churches in our town, uh, but they're no longer, they haven't planted a church in 50 years. But they tie themselves and connect to the past. When we talk about remembrance in, in relation to our, phys, our, our own spiritual health and to the church, we need to remember the right things. And the scriptures help us to see that. Our passage can help us today to learn the proper way to remember. For a healthy church has a strong memory of what God has done in the church and what he is doing in the church uh, even today. And if, as we think about that, these truths uh, that we just read, we'll go through, will help us uh, learn to remember and will lead us towards greater health and growth. As we look at verses 1 through 10 in this chapter, Moses and the Lord, Moses is writing the book of Deuteronomy, but he's writing what the Lord is giving him. Uh, and, and it gives us some reasons as to why we need to remember. First, we need to remember in order to be able to keep our eyes upon God. The call to worship today was one of those good examples within the worship service of enabling us to remember and and, and keep our eyes upon God. Who did all those things for the people of Israel during uh, during the exodus and during the establishment of Israel? When we think of our own lives and our own church, think back. How, how did God work in the past? What is he doing now in connection to that? Where, what's going on right now in the life of the church that's here because of what God did in the past at some point? Note in, in the uh, very first or second verse there, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would uh, keep whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now that phrase there, the whole way, it isn't talking about the traveling part. It isn't about the journey, keeping keep this thought in your mind the whole time that you're traveling. What it's saying there is keep in your mind, remember every possible way you can how the Lord worked. The whole way of the workings of God. How was God at work individually? How was God at work corporately? How is God at work in the community and culturally? We need to remember to keep our eyes upon God. We also need to remember the humblings or the hard times, those difficulties. Your uh, previous pastor, one of the first posts on his blog that he wrote was actually a very good uh, description of some of the hard or humblings that this congregation went through in relation to buildings. Uh, and in meeting places, and you know, if, I I actually had to really work through his his blog to find it, but I did find it, and and I encourage you to go back and read it, and just remind yourself of some of the the places you were at, some of the things that have happened, 
and how God worked in each one of those circumstances to bringing you to this point in this place at this time for this service. For most of us, we often learn best from the difficult times in our lives, which is why we often see in the Psalms uh, the reminders of those things that happened. You were hungry, so what did God do? He gave you manna. You were still hungry, so what did he do? He gave you the birds, right? He was, you were thirsty, and what does he do? He doesn't give you just water. He gives you water out of a rock. And he points to you and shows you that these were God-given ways of helping and meeting those needs, ways in which I mean, who here would have thought, hey, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go out and smack a rock and get some water out of it. I don't think any of us would have thought of that, but God did the hardships that we face, the humblings that he spoke of are not always punishments. As we see here, they they were teaching moments in order for God to find out, but also for us to find out, were we going to be obedient to God? Note what he says in verse 2 there. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. Say, I want you to remember those difficult times so that you can remember and I will know whether or not you're going to be obedient. Everything, in verse 3 there, that the Lord did for Israel was that they might know and learn that his word was true. We go on to read, and, and we read that passage, which is quoted again in the New Testament by Jesus when he's speaking to Satan, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When the humbling time comes, we should ask ourselves, what is the Lord trying to teach me in this situation? What is he trying to show me at this moment in time? What does his word say about this? And, and how does this apply to me individually? But how does this also apply to us as the church? We also need to, to remember that the Lord disciplines us for his glory. We see that beginning in verse 5. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Why? So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Why again? For the Lord's bringing you to a good place, is what he says in the next few passages. When we wrestle with these, these remembrances and why, is God, why does God discipline us? And next week we're going to talk about repentance and how to react to that discipline. When God's dis- disciplining us, it's, it's to bring us back to him but it's also to lead us to where he wants us to be. We're also, as as we think about our remembrance, we're also encouraged to remember him, uh, to remember in order to learn. Uh, One of the, the greatest mistakes that we've seen throughout all of history has been the failure to remember and to learn from the past. For those of you who are history buffs, you can probably think of a few instances. If you turn over to a few more pages to the book of of Judges and begin reading through the book of Judges, you'll see what's called the Deuteronomic cycle in which the Israelites would walk with God and then they would plateau in their comfort level. They'd get comfortable with God and they would 
live in that comfort for a little while. And then they would fall into apostasy and they would fall down uh, and they would finally get to the bottom to the pit and they would realize, "Uh oh, we've made a big mistake here. And they would remember where they needed to go. They would go back to the Lord and they would begin to praise and worship the Lord again. And their faith would grow and the nation would grow. And then they would plateau again and they would get comfortable again. And then they would fall into apostasy again. And then they would realize the same thing. This whole cycle, this cycle of remembering to bring them back, but also remembering what they did before. And we all live that way. You could see it in the life of Israel, but also if you read history broadly, you, you would see it in the life of men like Alexander, Napoleon, and Hitler, who all three made the same mistake, and neither one of them, none of them learned from the other ones before them. They all tried to invade Russia during the winter. And they didn't learn from each other. They didn't remember the past and see what they could learn from it. As we think about remembrance, we're also encouraged to remember and also in order to celebrate. And that's one thing we as Christians don't do well. Uh, When you think of uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, when a young man turns 13, he has a bar mitzvah. It's a rite of manhood. And they, they remember what God has done in the past and what he's, what he's doing now and what he's going to do. And there's a, cere- a celebration. For the women, there's the bat mitzvah, the same thing. And there are various celebrations throughout life. In our, in our church, in, in, in life in the church, do we celebrate some of those happenings? Do we remember, for instance, so-and-so's conversion and their coming to faith, their profession of faith? I wish more churches had special times when someone makes a profession of faith that we, we have a celebration. We, we remember that date. Now, we do have, I know the PCA has certificates we can give to a family when they baptize their child or when they join the church. So there is a remembrance. But then how do we remember that each year? I'm wondering if there might be benefit in the church to having an actual member's celebration every year. And we come back and, and we share testimonies of what God has done in our life since, since the, the, the coming into the church and our, our being a part. We do a horrible job of that in the Christian world. Churches in general, not just the PCA, not just Evergreen. Churches in general of remembering. But think about all the different times in the scriptures in which we're told to rejoice and to celebrate what God has done. First over in just a few examples, uh, in First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 31, we read, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Then over in Psalm 96, uh, in verse 11, we read, Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. And then when we turn into the New Testament Uh, In Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, we read, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, here's an instance of celebration of rejoicing during a bad time. We have a hard time celebrating during a good time. But we're encouraged to remember and to rejoice each time. And then finally, the one that we're all familiar with from Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. 
remembering what God has done leads us to this rejoicing. As we go back to the passage, we see in verses 7 through 10, the Lord speaking to the result of this faithful living, of this remembrance. We find that we'll be cared for, will be provided for, bread will be provided, meat will be provided, water will be provided, a bountiful, fruitful land will be provided. God will care for our needs, and that will lead us to praise and worship. Now that we've seen why we should remember, let's think about for just a moment what we should remember. We should begin to begin with, we should remember what God has done. If we remember, or if we fail to remember what God has done, we, we risk falling away and ultimately failing to remember God. Look at verse 11. Uh, oh, that's chapter 7. No wonder it didn't look right. Verse 11. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I commanded you today. As you go through the book of Judges, sometimes looking at that Deuteronomic cycle, you'll find out that the reason they fell into apostasy every single time is they got so comfortable with their worship, so comfortable with their church, that they forgot God. And in doing so, forgot everything that he told them to do. Take care lest you forget the Lord. I, when I talk to folks about... Uh, Salvation and the fear of the Lord. And we've heard that phrase. He's a God-fearing man. She's a God-fearing woman. What does that mean? What do we mean when we say that of somebody? If we think about it, what we truly mean by that, or at least how I explain it, is that I'm not afraid of God. I don't have a phobic fear of God, a God-phobia. No, I have a fear, and as believers, we should have a fear of being without God. What would my life be like if God was not there? And this passage here now is talking to us about this. Don't forget God. Because if you forget God, you ultimately will end up without God. Now, you may be thinking real quickly right here, wait, David, are you saying we can lose our faith? And no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. We're not going there yet. I would argue that if you fall away in that way, that you didn't have the faith to begin with. And it's our job as the church to encourage the faith and to encourage the growth and to encourage conversion and regeneration and whatnot. So that, why? So that God's people will not fall away from the faith, will not forget God. If we fail to remember what God has done, we risk that falling away. And, and while the New Testament tells us there's only one unforgivable sin, that of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, verse Mark three twenty nine, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. The Old Testament, as we see here, speaks in relation to our remembrance and our forgetting of God. And it's stated as a sin. And really, I would argue that it's stated as the greatest of the sins that they could have kept or could have fallen into. 
As I mentioned earlier, one of the greatest modern fears we have today is that of forgetting. We, uh, my wife and I have, uh, we started in COVID, but we, we've gotten into uh, binge-watching British crime dramas. Uh, it's actually a great way to learn about the U.K., uh, I've learned about all these different parts, and right now we're watching a, a series called Shetland, which takes place on the Shetland Islands. And not to give it all away, but uh, in the middle seasons there, uh, D.I. Perez's father comes to live with him after his mother dies, and he's struggling with dementia. And you see the, the struggles that he has, but then also the family has as they deal with the brain just getting to where it doesn't hold information anymore. Remembers all these little, all the old thoughts, can remember way back in the past, but can't remember 10 minutes or 10 seconds in the past. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, that is, that's my greatest fear. As I've, uh, through the course of my ministry, watched caregivers, the ones who've come away with the greatest hurt, almost to the person, was the one who came one day and said, I went to see my mother or I went to see my father, and they didn't know who I was. And that is such, if you've ever experienced it, it is a profound hurt that is hard to get past. We were created to be with God for all eternity. And yet, what's the great warning we're given here? Don't forget God. Don't forget the very one who gave you life, the very one who breathed breath into you, the very one who's provided and cared for you all these times. What is the greatest fear we see in the Old Testament? And what is one of our greatest fears is that of forgiving God. You have to actively remember and proactively remember the Lord so that you don't forget. Brothers and sisters, that's why a personal devotional time is so important for us. That's why corporate worship is so important for us. That's why having calls to worship like we had and songs that we sing, all of these songs were remembrance songs. So that we, God's people, don't forget what God is doing in our lives. We're also to remember the church's rich history. For every congregation, every church has one, and it's worth remembering. The problem we have is, and the danger is, focusing on what we've done, the good and the bad, that we fail to remember that it was God who was doing the work. We begin to focus on what was going on, and we blame ourselves, or we blame somebody else, or we say, we did this great thing or that great thing. We'll see that in a moment. Verse 17 gives us this great warning. Look at verse 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. What it's saying is, don't say, look what I've done. Don't remember back and say, look how great we were. Why can't we be that way again? That's not what, what we're being encouraged here. We're called to look back and say, look how great God worked. Look what the Lord did in these times. What can we learn from God's working in the past that we can apply today? So we've looked at the whys, we've looked at the whats. Let's look at one more place and 
two more places actually, but let's also look now and remember who's in charge. A danger that often runs through church ministries uh, and through ministry leaders, we all have to be careful about it. Whether you're leading the music or the nursery or teaching Sunday school or, or preaching or whatnot, and that is the, the danger of that ministry becoming our ministry where we begin, we begin to look at it and name it after us. David, the pastor, the preacher, the leader of the church, the CEO, the head of the session, the moderator. You know, and we begin to apply all these things as if we are the ones who are doing the work. Verse 17, because this is a warning, don't, don't say, look what I've done. It's, he's telling us, he's challenged us to remember the Lord and gives us two reasons in verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. It's God that gives us the, the power, the ability to do ministry, to play the music, to sing the music, to take care of the kids, to take care of the food, to, to visit the poor, to visit the sick. God gives us the strength and the ability to do that. Why? So that he can confirm the promises that he's made to us. God didn't promise that he would build this church and the gates of hell would not stand against it. He promised that he would build the church and the gates of hell would not stand against it. This church is just part or part of the greater church. And when we begin to focus on saying, oh, the Lord made this church so the gates of hell will not stand against them, we run into a danger of actually forgetting the Lord because we begin putting ourselves first. We're part of the work, not the total fulfillment of the working of God in Christ. And I think a healthy thought for us to remember in this process of, remembrancing, of, of remembrance is that the average church, not just PCA, any church, the average church's life, total life history, is 75 years. Isn't it interesting that the average church's life is about the same as a human being's? And what happens to, the, to us as human beings when we finally reach the end of that time? We're remembered by God if we're one of his children. They have a great service for us. We might get a nice plaque or a headstone or whatnot. And then within a few years, nobody even remembers we existed. And the sad truth about the church is we have thousands of ruins around this country of churches who died and nobody remembers anything that the Lord did in them. Want to know the greatest testimony that Evergreen could be to the, the people of Sevierville and Sevier County? Would be that 75 Years from now, the people of Sevier County are talking about the impact that Evergreen made in Sevier County during their lifetime. Years from now, them remembering what God did in this church begins with us remembering what God is doing in this church. We're encouraged in the passage, to be careful and not to stray. In Acts 20, verse 17, Paul is traveling back to Jerusalem, and he stops in Miletus, uh, 
and calls the elders of Ephesus. And if you're not familiar with the church at Ephesus, Paul planted that church, spent about three years there teaching and training them. Uh, He had sent Timothy back as the pastor. So Timothy was the second pastor in and was struggling. He writes the books, the letters to Timothy. And if you read those, uh, a big chunk of them is about how to deal with the leadership of the church. He then calls this leadership to Miletus, and he tells them in verses twenty-eight through uh, in chapter twenty-eight, in verses excuse me, verses twenty-eight through thirty, that there would be men coming that were going to lead them astray. In verse thirty-one, he he then says, "Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. Admonish them with what? With the word of God, the truths of Scripture." the working of God. It's for us, we should remember Paul's teaching here because as we saw last week, what was the greatest thing or the greatest failure that the church at Ephesus had? They forgot their first love. And we read, read about that. And what, what did they do? The one thing he commended them is they did push away or kick out the Nicolaitans. But they still struggled with that first loss, that, that, that first love that they lost. My point, though, here is that Paul, a decade or more before the writing of the Revelation, actually it was a couple decades before John writes the Revelation, says, listen, people are going to come in and mislead you away from God. They're going to cause you to stray away. We read later that they did. So he says, remember the good word taught so that when the false word comes, you'll recognize that it's false. So as a church, as individuals, it's imperative that we know the word of God. Are we in it daily? Are we reading it or just skimming it? Are we studying it? Are we gathering in small groups or in Bible studies to study this? Are we hearing the word preached from the pulpit? If not, if not hearing that, we we fall in danger like the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2 of forgetting our first love and straying away from uh, from Christ. Quick ministry application here is if what you're doing or what you're teaching, or what you're leading in the church does not point to Jesus Christ, stop and repent right now. So let's take a moment. Let's look at the last, uh, from today's message, from this passage, the last reason to remember. And that is that we should remember who we worship. In verses 19 through 20, the Lord uses a teaching technique that we can all relate well with. We've used it with our own children. And that's of natural consequences. And he does so built around this this conditional statement. If you go after other gods, then you will perish. Similar to like what we've probably all done with our children when they were small. If you touch that red thing on top of the stove you will get burned. And if your kids were like my kids, they didn't listen to that first time. 
But after that first time or two of experiencing that conditional statement, the if-then, and realizing that, okay, those propositional truths of my parents, those natural consequences are true, they began to understand a little bit more in their life and their walk. What he's saying to us here is, is integral for us to remember as we seek to be a healthy body, a healthy church, and as healthy believers, that if we do not worship and serve the Lord our God in Christ, we will surely perish. I almost see 19 and 20 as an Old Testament altar call where the Lord is saying to Israel, come unto me, you who are weak and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me and worship me. Turn to me now because I'm the only way. And if you don't, you will surely perish. If you go after other gods, you will perish. This thought speaks to a couple issues in the modern mind. Pew Research uh, just released a few weeks ago uh, some new research on a group called the Nuns. Are you familiar with the Nuns? It's not N-U-N-S like the ladies in the black dresses with the the hats on. This is the N-O-N-E-S. It's a uh, as they've gone through and they, over the years, Pew Research and Gallup and, and Barna do the, those questions on the state of Christianity. Ligonier puts out their, their version every year. Uh, the state of Christianity, they ask the question of affiliation. So they find out who's Catholic and who's Protestant, who's Presbyterian, who's Baptist, who's, who's this and that. And the fastest and largest growing group are those they've labeled the nuns. They have no affiliation. They're, they're religious, but they have none of the marks of traditional Christianity and religion. The nuns. It's the fastest growing affiliation or lack thereof in each of these polls, each of these surveys. It's an issue within the church. As we think of this church and moving forth as a healthy, growing church, that's one thing we have to consider is that one of the reasons some of those people who used to be here, who are no longer here, that left after COVID, they were, they were coming but occasionally watch but don't, don't come and participate every, very often is they've fallen into that group. One of the reasons there are more people right now down the street at the, uh, the outlet center than there are here is because they've fallen into that group. Yes, there are the lost, but we live in the heart of what's called the Bible Belt. And I know from my first time in, in, in Tennessee, when I came the, and I would talk with folks about church and about faith and their need for Christ, uh, I had to almost convince them they were not a Christian in order to be able to share the faith with them to lead them to Christ. Because everybody had a connection to a church. My great-grandfather was the pastor of that church, and so that's been my church since I was a kid. Well, when was the last time you attended? Well, I haven't attended since I was a kid, but that's still my church. My great-uncle Billy was a missionary, and he did this and this and this and this. And we always talked about God when I was growing up. So when was the last time you had a conversation about God? Well, I can't remember when I've last had a conversation about God until you came along. These are nuns. 
that have realized they've got no real affiliation, and we have to, in order to evangelize with them, to share the faith with them, you have to convince them they're not a believer in order to lead them to be a believer. And that's a challenge we face, particularly with the rise of this group who who has no affiliation. They're religious. That's one aspect of it that does come out. They believe in God. They're not sure how to get there. It's like they're saying, I need to get to New York, but I don't want to look at the map, and I don't want Waze to help me or Google Maps to help me. I'm just going to start walking and hope I get there one day. There's the possibility they might fall onto the right path, but the likelihood is, unless they're very good navigators and good with a compass and the stars, they're probably not ever going to get to New York. And many today in our community around us are wandering around looking for Christ in much the same way. They're looking for hope and salvation in the same way. We need to remember who it is we worship so that we can point others to there. There's, uh, we need to remember this because there, you can't go it alone. There's no such thing as a solitary Christian or a lone wolf Christian. Here, Moses was speaking to the body of God, the people of God, the whole assembled body. In the New Testament, Paul and Peter and Timothy and the writers of the New Testament are writing to the body of Christ. The terminology is used over and over and over again. The gathered people, that's what ecclesia means, the gathering, the church. We are to be a part of a worshiping body and should remember that. You were called here by God. And are here today, why? Because God called you here. And I will say, and you you should know that Evergreen's not the perfect church. There's no such thing. If you're looking for the perfect church, I encourage you to go and look. And when you find it, please call me and the elders so that we can come and join you. Because again, there isn't one. But for whatever reason, and you and God only know that, You were called here at this time for this moment, for this purpose. And you may have been called here to be a member of this church and to serve this church. He didn't call you anywhere else. He didn't call you to First Baptist, to First Methodist. He didn't call you to the Catholic Church or anywhere else. He called you to Evergreen Church. So your question is to think back, to remember back, what was God doing? Why did he do that? Why has he led me here? All of that involves remembering because that builds our health. The last few verses here show us that a failure to worship and serve the Lord in that calling has consequences. As I mentioned, since COVID, the number classified as unchurched or dechurched or the nuns has grown astronomically. And there will be consequences for them. And if they're watching online today, I hope they understand that. Those individuals in the church, according to scriptures, will pay the price. The church is already, and I'm using church broadly here, the church is already paying the price for that exodus. And that many, many are struggling to to make it. Struggling to survive. Some with big buildings wondering how are we going to pay the mortgage, or how are we going to pay the utilities? Why? Because the, the givers within the body have become nuns and are no longer serving the body, but are serving self. 
And so the church is paying for the sin of the nuns. And we've just been told earlier that the nuns will pay also. I would just remind us to go back to verse 11 and just remember that one of the greatest sins that we can commit as individuals and as a church body is to forget God. And the fastest way there is to stop seeking the presence of God in a worshiping body in the church. It's important that we have this service. It's important that we are here today because we are helping each other not to forget. And we're reminding each other of what God has done, of what he's going to do, and what he is doing right now. What a blessing that is. To close, for this church to grow and to move forward as a healthy church, we must remember that as we move forward, as we go forth, to rejoice in the works that God has done. Some of them are in the past. We should rejoice over them, but we should not be locked into them. Rejoice at what God has done. Praise him. Praise him for providing the manna and the water, for providing the place, providing the means to get here. Celebrate the work he has done. That was a new idea earlier about having an annual party for the members, but I think that's something we should do. Every church should do, but our body, our, our church body should do. Celebrate the work that God has done. Hear the testimonies of God's people and how God has been at work. Tell and show others the work that God has done. You realize that word euangelion, the good news, evangelism is just that. If you go through the book of Acts, you will never once find any one of the apostles sharing the four spiritual laws. In every instance, when you see them giving their message, their sermon, it's all around what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. It's a witnessing to God at work. And that's what we're to be about, witnessing. Finally, never, 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 to paraphrase Churchill, forget what God has done. Never forget it. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be at work in us, recalling to our memory all the works that you have done that we might glorify you. Father, if there's anyone here today who does not know you but is feeling your calling, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would know what you've done in their life. And for the rest of us, I pray, Lord, that we would remember what that was like, the searching, the heart searching, but the conversion and regeneration that we experienced and the great work that you did in our lives, that we remember from where we've come to where we are now and we can see you at work in and through us. Oh, Father, we lift up our church to you and pray that you would help us to remember and see the great works that you have done, that we would grow in our, in our own health, individually and corporately, and that we would glorify you as we go forth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.